Can we give the Lord a praise offering today? Oh, I mean, I tell you, He is so good. And isn't it good to know that when our lives are in His hands, that uh, we can trust Him and, and we can know that He always has our best interest at heart. Would you agree with me? Does anybody love you more than Jesus? Amen? And it doesn't matter where you are, what you're going through, He's right there with you in the midst of everything that's going on. And so uh, we're really excited uh, to move into uh, this new year, but God really checked me at the, be at the last week of, of 2019 because, you know, we go into these new years and we say Happy New Year. But the Lord said, you need to present a bigger picture. You need to present a, a bigger vision. This is not just a new year. This is a new decade. And it was interesting that Grant, in her old soul, made reference to the Roaring Twenties. Because if you think back into uh, 1920, you know, they called that the Roaring Twenties. I'm going to call these the Rip Roaring Twenties because I believe that God has something ex extraordinary for us during this year I've, and this coming decade. And we need to think in a larger perspective. We need to not just think on what's going to happen this year, but we need to say, what is God going to do this year that's going to make 2029 be everything that I need the entire decade to be for my life? There's a difference in having a one-year and a ten-year perspective. So often when we have a one-year perspective, we have a tendency to pull out a, a whole lot of negatives that can occur in a one-year period and not see the bigger picture for everything that God has in store for our lives. And we're going to talk about some of those things today in my message. And so we're really excited about everything that God has for us. Miss Betty said this will be the beginning of a two-part message. I can almost see that it might be a three-part message, but it's okay. Because what we're going to talk about for the next couple weeks is vision. We're going to talk about the vision of the church. We're going to talk about your vision personally. We're going to talk about, do you have a vision for your family? And we're going to talk about, how does that vision look? What does it encapsulate? What does it incorporate? Is it a, a small vision for a short amount of time? Or are you thinking ahead for yourself and your family, for your calling, the things that God has in store for you? So when I say to you, Happy New Year, I mean just that, Happy New Year. But what I really want you to begin to focus on is just saying Happy New Decade. Because this is a new decade. It's interesting that um, this past week I just turned 58 years old. I would have never in 40 years thought I would ever be 58 because my mind still thinks like I'm 18. My body doesn't act like it's 18 anymore. But there's just something about this idea of growing up. And I was looking at the idea of uh, being 58. And first of all, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all your well wishes. I was overwhelmed with the amount of response of just well wishings and blessings um, that came through uh, during this time period. And I have to tell you, 
I was truly, truly humbled by the amount of you that took time to, to bless me on my birthday. Uh, I really got to thinking. For the amount of ministry that I'm doing and the pace that I do every day, uh, I realize that I'm probably not going to be able to run this hard for any more than 10 more years. And so for me, when I look at this idea of happy decade, you know, I, I, I want to run as hard as long as I can for the things that God has called me to in the kingdom because I want to leave a mark. And this is what I want us to look at. This year is setting forward what we're going to look like during the 20s. Right. This year is going to set forth that God has a tremendous plan for Redeemer's Church. We'll be celebrating our 55th year of uh, existence as a body. And what that says to me is, is that we need to get busy so that when this decade ends and we celebrate our 65th year in ministry, that we have so many great testimonies of what God has done for us as a body. So we want to take a couple weeks to look at vision. We want to talk about where we've been, because last year was an amazing year in so many ways that if you don't accentuate some of the things that transpired, you'll lose focus for the big picture. And we also, in the coming weeks, we want to talk about where we are headed as well. And so, first of all, I thought what I would do is just, let's talk about what is vision? What does vision look like? Well, the dictionary defines vision as this. It's the ability to think about or plan for the future with imagination and wisdom. You know, I think it's awesome that when God gives us a dream, when God gave Joseph his dream in Genesis 37, he had no idea what that ultimately would look like, but he could imagine that the things that God was going to lead him to, if that dream was going to come true, was going to totally change the perspective and, and position of who he was at that time. How many of you have a dream, but you feel like the, the place that you're out at now and the perspective that God needs to give you to get to the place of that coming to pass seems like a big stretch. Well, I got good news for you today because we serve a God who is able to stretch us into the place that he ultimately needs us to be. If God gives dream, if God gives vision, if God gives destiny, he prepares and he provides everything that we need to get us to that place. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I'd just like to get my finances in order this year. That would be a great place to start. And I agree with you. Some of you would say, I have relationships that need men, that I need vision for just these small things. And I have good news for you, that God is in the midst of everything you do the small things and the big things. So vision is the ability to think about or plan for the future with imagination and with wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from the throne of God. Wisdom comes from the word of God. And when we're going to move into that next place in our lives personally, only God can 
instill in us the things that we are going to need to know to get from the place that we are today to ending 2029 with all of the destiny and adventures and excitement that life has in store for you. I was reading a book by Andy Stanley a couple years back, and I loved how he took the word vision to a different level. And he said, I want to introduce a new word, and it's called visioneering. And I want to read you a little story from the first part of that book about the Wright brothers, and this will help you to see what I'm going to be talking about today. When I talk about the Apostle Paul and what happened to him on the road to Damascus, he was somewhere in his mid-20s. But it wasn't until he was 50 years old that his life ultimately culminated in that place where he wanted to be in Rome, telling the people of the highest place of society of that time about Jesus Christ. A lot of things happened between the time he was in his 20s and the time when he ultimately got to see the total fulfillment of his destiny. We know in Joseph's life that he was somewhere around 17 when he received his dream. But it wasn't until he was somewhere in his early 30s when he attained the position that God gave him the dream for. So what happens between 25 and 50? What happens between 17 and 30? A ton of things. Many of them negative and many of them positive. But see, in the midst of heading from the place of revelation where God inspires us or we have an encounter with him to the place to where we get to the manifestation or where we see the fullness of what God has to offer us, in that place makes us who we ultimately are. And who you are today, on this January in 2020, is not the person you're going to be in 2029 when this decade comes to pass. The things that you are accomplishing in your personal life, in your family life, in your uh, job life, in your calling for God today is not even going to look remotely the same in, at the end of this decade. But how it looks is a matter of whose hands you place your dreams in. And so when Andy Stanley writes this about visioneering, I want you to see that many things start with a dream but they don't end up to the place to where they're going to ultimately be for a few years. Visioneering, a new word, an old concept, a familiar process, where definitions fall short. A story often seems to bring clarity. So let's begin with a story. On December 17, 1903, at 10.35 a.m., Orville Wright secured his place in history by executing the first powered and sustained flight from level ground for 12 gravity-defying seconds. He flew 120 feet, 40 yards. Heck, there's not a quarterback in the world that can't throw a football 40 yards these days. But he flew a plane for 120 feet along the dunes of the Outer Banks of North Carolina. In the field of aviation, this historic event 
represents a beginning. But for Orville and Wilbur Wright, it also was the end of a long and tedious journey. A journey initiated by a dream common to every little boy, the desire to fly. But, most of, uh, but what most children abandon to the domain of fantasy, Orville and Wilbur Wright seized upon as potential reality. A, that's a key statement in this story. What people see and live in the domain of what they consider fantasy is the place where God puts something so deep into the hearts of man that as we believe, we can seize what he has spoken to us and we can gravitate to the place where that ultimately will take us because that is our potential reality. See, when you look at the, the different things that God speaks to us, this is a believer's potential reality. The world doesn't understand it, doesn't comprehend it, but we do. And we need to take this potential reality, store it deep inside the recesses of our lives, and then allow God to bring out all of the truths and promises along the way of our journey as we begin at point A, working towards that place that we're headed in point B. And everything that God speaks to us in this potential reality is something that's going to strengthen us for the place of our journey that he's taking us. Can I get an amen? amen. The word of God is the place where potential realities are believed in and they're lived out. They believed they could fly. More than that, they believed they should fly. There's a big difference in believing something, but yet believing it to the place to where you know that it should be that way. The Bible says that you would be saved, you and your entire household should be saved. That's the way it should be. I remember Ignacio Guevara, and I've shared this story many times, prayed for his family because the Lord gave him a, a prophetic word that all of your family would be saved. He prayed for over 60 years for his family to be saved. And one day, one cousin who had still not accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, Ignacio got to share the, the, the scriptures with this old man, and this old man, after 60 years of praying, Ignacio saw the fullness of that prophetic word come to pass when that family member gave his life to God. See, Ignacio knew when he got that word that that is the way that it should be, and he gravitated to that. Our personal interest in it Oh, Wilbur describes the birth of the vision in this way. This is really cool. Our personal interest in it, aviation, dates from our childhood days. Late in the autumn of 1878, our father came into the house one evening with some object partly concealed in his hands. And before we could see what it was, he tossed it into the air. Instead of falling to the floor as we expected, it flew across the room till it struck the ceiling where it fluttered a while and finally sank to the floor. It was a little toy known to scientists as a helicopter, but 
but which we, with sublime disregard for science, once dubbed it as a bat. It was a light frame of cork and bamboo covered with paper, which formed two screws driven in opposite directions by rubber bands under torsion, a toy so delicate it lasted only a short time in the hands of small boys, but its memory was abiding. The childhood experience sparked in the boys was an insatiable desire to fly. The same thing that struck a young boy's heart, Joseph, that he had an insatiable desire to see the fulfillment of his dream come to pass. The only thing they lacked was means. So they immediately went to work removing the obstacles that stood between them and their dream. What are the obstacles standing between you and your dream? See, we all have them. It's not a matter of if you have them. See, it's interesting. People think they get a prophetic word or they read something in the scripture and they think that just tomorrow everything's going to change. All of those things that work to be problems for you for years and years and years, uh, we feel like overnight that's going to change. But the reality is, is that things don't normally change overnight. They change in a process. And so that's what we are. We are God's children in the midst of the process of what he's doing in our lives. They began building their own helicopters. In doing so, they stumbled upon the principles of physics that would pave the way to their first successful man flight. Boy, that sounds so familiar. How many times in the midst of what we are doing that we have no idea how something happens, we just literally stumble onto something, and it's that thing that God's leading us to, but it would have uh, not been in the way that we would have ever dreamed that it would have happened. So, uh, in short, they began to engineer their vision. That's interesting. Engineering their vision, which means they had to mark it out, they had to write it down, they had to research it, they had to spend time on it. See, when God gives us a vision, it will bring a lot of work into our lives. But it should be a good work. If you have a good vision for your family, it should be something that brings your wife and you to a, a, a even more a joined place where your hearts are joined together as one. I can remember way back in the early 90s when my wife came to me one day with a vision that God had given her through a radio program that we should begin to pray for the husbands of our daughters. In 1990, Megan was seven, Allie was five, and and Abby was just being born. And when she first said that, I thought, baby, let's let these kids at least get to be teenagers first. And then, and then God spoke something to me. He said, if you do not prepare for the success of your children, success will never find them. And so we began to engineer a prayer time each, uh, several times a week where we began to pray uh, for the husbands of our daughters at that time. And I can tell you with complete happiness that God made that engineering of that vision came to pass. And I have three of the most amazing son-in-laws that a man could ever ask for. And even better than just, I love them, 
is, is that they love my daughters. Right. Now, there's many times that Pastor Caleb comes in not fully understanding my daughter, <laughs> in which we have some great conversations about that. But uh, I told him I have good news for you because I don't always understand her either. But the truth is, when you engineer a vision, it sets forth a course of action that brings uh, the desired results of what you love to see. Last year, in 2019, we did a multitude of things. We are engineering a vision for the future of Redeemer's Church. And so many of the things that are done behind the scenes, you're not aware of. But today I want to make you aware of those things so you will be excited to know that the things that we're engineering yesterday and today are the things that are going to make this decade an amazing decade for ministry. In short, they began to engineer their vision. They took the necessary steps to ensure that what they had believed could be would be. What they believed could be, would be. This process captures the essence of visioneering. Visioneering is the course one follows to make dreams a reality. It is the process whereby ideas and conviction take on substance. As the story of the Wright brothers illustrates, visioneering is the engineering of a vision. It all boils down to a form. If, if it all boiled down to a formula, it might look something like this. Visioneering equals inspiration plus conviction plus action plus determination plus completion. And the reality is everybody ends up somewhere in life. Isn't that the truth? Everybody ends up somewhere in life, but it's not going to be the, where, the place you want to be in life until you begin to engineer your vision. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. Those are the ones with vision. And we want to be those people individually. We want to be those people corporately in your families, and we want to be those people corporately as a church that we end up where we want to go on purpose because we're setting the course to visioneer where we ultimately want to be. If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 9, I just want to take a short time, and I know you're going to find this very unusual, but this is not going to be your normal Pastor D, where you get 37 scriptures today and 6,000 verses that we're going to read through. But I just am just trying to set the tone for the messages that are ahead of us. And the thing that I want you to get out of today's message is that anytime something new happens, whether it's a new encounter with God or it's a new relationship that you're forming, whether it's a, a new concept that you receive from the Lord, or it's a new year. It always has great potential to bring you into a whole new place. You know, I haven't bought many new cars in my life. As a matter of fact, I think Tammy and I have bought one brand new car in our entire life. 
But I can tell you this, there ain't nothing like a new car smell. You know what I mean? You get into that new car and it just smells and feels a certain way. See, when you take what's new and you bring it into that place to where God is the driver of the potential of what you're visioneering, it should smell new. Amen. You know what I mean? It should have the, anybody know what I mean? It should have that right feel. It should bring an air of excitement to you. It should be something that you want to spend time with and, and, and move, to, move you to a new dimension. How did that look for the Apostle Paul? Well, in Acts chapter 9, we begin to see that this is the place that God transitioned and captured his heart. We know that the Apostle Paul was schooled in the things of, of the Old Testament, that he, he was a scholar, per se, with that. But what he did was, is he took what he knew, he abused his position, and he began to uh, ruin the lives, even to the place of murder, of people who he felt weren't walking in the way they should walk with God. But interesting, in, in uh, Acts chapter 9, he was on his way to carry out the things that he had always done when God captured his focus. Look, people, sometimes we are just on our way in the things of life. And God captures our focus. And when he captures something about us, that's when we have to begin to visioneer. That's when we have to begin to uh, use imagination. That's when we need to begin to uh, uh, know that with God's wisdom that we can accomplish all the great things that he is bringing into our life. So this is what happened to Paul in, in Acts chapter 9. Then Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so this just, I don't know if you remember, but this just comes after Acts chapter 8, where he just persecuted the church, stoned Stephen, and all of those different things, he was there for all of that that occurred. But now he's, he's, he's upping his game. He's doing his job. And so now he's going to get permission from the priests to go into the synagogues. And, and if he finds Kim in there, and she's a follower of Jesus, he had this letter to rip her out of the synagogue. And, and apply whatever tactics he wanted to. If Aaron was in that synagogue, he could, and he was a follower of the way, he could take him out and do what he had always done in his lifetime. He was a persecutor of Christians. And so, in verse 3, it goes on to say, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly... A light shone around him for he from heaven. In other words, God was capturing his attention. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, 
this is an interesting scripture. Because so often we have God speak to us. You know, we take great, uh, uh, we go to great lengths here that everybody can learn how to hear the voice of God because God's still speaking to us today. But it's one thing to hear the voice of God and it's another thing to react to what you're hearing. Let me, let me say this again. It's one thing to hear the voice of God, but it's another thing to react to the voice of God. See, once you begin to hear the way God is speaking to you, then what begins to happen is, is he speaks to you more often because all of those times that he had been speaking to you in the past, you didn't realize that was him. But once you realize that it's him, you begin to deliberately listen for that voice in every aspect of your life. And then you begin to see how much God is speaking to you, whether it's through his word or through a prophet or through a, another believer or through Jesus himself, through an angel, through the Father. All of these things are ways that God speaks to us. But when God speaks to us, it's not a matter of if he's going to speak. It's going to be a matter of what you're going to do with it. And so, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And so that's what he did. He arose, he went into the city, he was blinded by God, and uh, it's symbolic of, you know, God was blinding him to every place that he had been. But when he could begin to see again, he was going to begin to see his future and his life in a whole different perspective. Amen. Sometimes, folks, we have to understand that God wants to blind us to some of the things of our past because they're holding us back to the place where our vision is trying to carry us to. And so when God gives us eyes to see, the Bible says that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. And when we have those things, we move in a different direction. And so Ananias came to Paul. I'm shortening this story. You can read it for yourself. But what did Saul do? He immediately went to where God had called him to do. He got the uh, commission that God was giving him through Ananias. And in verse 20, it says this, immediately. Everybody look at your neighbor and say immediately. immediately. Listen, this is where vision is began. Vision is began immediately. When God speaks to you, it's not something, oh, well, let me pray about that. Or, and yes, you need to pray. So don't, don't hear me that you don't need to pray. But when God speaks to you, it's you take the, the step immediately to say, God, what's next? Where do I go next? Where are you going to lead me to next? Who's going to speak to me next? What scripture is going to uh, uh, promote me to the place I need to be next? But the key is, is when God speaks, we need to move immediately. And that's where our visioneering begins to take place. The things that we start putting action 
into the things that God's leading us to. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue, that he is the Son of God. Then all were amazed and said, listen, when God captures your life, your people get amazed. I mean, I can remember back in the day when God captured Tammy and I's life. Our first uh, uh, high school reunion that we went to, people were, had heard about it and they were feeling me out. Like, is this real D-man? Is this real? Did you, re you know, and, and it was interesting. People are amazed by what? That you have found God and immediately you've asked God to begin to transition your life. He was, he was visioneering something in Tammy and I's life at that time, but we had no idea that it would take us to the place that we are now. And that's the neat thing about God. But it said, all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring... See, people thought he was tricking them, right? And you can understand that. This guy had a reputation. But guess what? He's now with Jesus and he's got a new reputation. Amen? Aren't you glad that you're not bound to your past? but that God's got great direct... Can, have I not said this to us as a body a thousand times? You're the only one that's concerned about your past because God is concerned about your future. God is not looking to drag you back into yesterday. He's trying to get you to stay focused on the things that are ahead for you. Happy New Year, Happy New Decade. It's a one year and it's a ten year, okay? You need to, you need to be able to plan ahead. So, uh, people wanted to kill him, he escaped death, the, the apostles moved him forward. What I want to do now is I just want to take a second or four to just say this. Last year was a great year for Redeemer's Church. And some of the things that we do have started many years ago, and they've built a platform for what we do today. They were one-year visions at one time, but they also had a decade that they were looking ahead. What do I mean? How about the Redeemer School of Ministry? Started in 2006, and it's still here today in 2019. 32 sessions every semester for those who want to come and learn. For the last 13 years, we've been providing that education. We'll start up here in February. You should be a part of that because it's a great school. One of the things that this school has morphed into, it started out as the Redeemer School of Ministry in 2006. And in 2016, we have transitioned our school around the world. We now have... 225 schools in six different nations with over 6,000 students in our schools. We started 135 schools last year and 100 more will start at a minimum this year. You see, you can't plan something like this thinking in one-year increments. You have to plan what you're doing today thinking that it's going to have a decade of influence. A lot of long-term things happen in our goals. Isaiah, our uh, facilitator and our leader in Burundi, just sent me a picture this week of two Muslim young men who got saved 
and, and through the influence of the schools, and they were able to give them two Bibles that our team bought this last trip. We bought a couple hundred Bibles, and these two Muslim men are holding two Bibles that you helped to make happen, and their lives are going to be transformed. See, we, you have to look at things in a bigger and a longer-term perspective. Our goal was to uh, increase our outreaches in 2019. We had our Christmas outreach, our trunk or treat, our national night out, Jericho, our outreaches with long-term consequences. Pastor Caleb is developing relationships right now with Scottwood Elementary that these are beginning stages, but they're going to have a long-term effect. In 2006, we began our Christmas outreach with Victory Ministry. And, and for the last 13 years that we've been doing our Christmas outreach. Why did we do that? Because in 2006, we had a vision that we wanted to eliminate some of our mission support because we wanted to give more money and more personal relational time with our uh, with the missionary groups that we decided to follow. That was a decision we made in 2006. And now as we've become a part of their Christmas outreach, in that amount of time, we have had 774 people ask Jesus Christ to be their personal Savior. Why do I? Yeah, you should cheer for that. Why do I say that? Because one year we only had 23 people get saved only. But when you look at it that way, you say, oh, well, maybe it's not that great or it's not that big of a, of a deal. But when you look at it over a decade, it's a very big deal. 774 people, and we have no idea of the people who got healed, their lives transformed because of the power of that outreach. We had women's ministry teams in 2019 that ministered here in our own church and around the world. Uh, this year we're going to be, uh, Betty, we're going to be adding Honduras, aren't we, to that. And you could probably uh, need a few more good women that could step up and help to be a part of your teams. We have ministered in Kenya, Rwanda, and Burundi. Uh, we're going to be adding uh, uh, Uganda as well to women's ministry. We've got a prolific ministry in uh, Mexico. And uh, we have had thousands of women last year who received ministry out of this church because of what these ladies have given their lives to do. Last year, we met a significant contact from Uganda who came down to our, one of our meetings in Rwanda. He wanted to see these women in action. He had already had one of his guys who were running one of our schools, had already did all the research for that, and knew he wanted uh, schools in Uganda. We're going to be starting 10 of those in February in Uganda. So the other thing is, is he told me, hey, I minister in a refugee camp in Uganda that is predominantly women and children. We have 150,000 women in this camp, and I want you 
to bring women's ministry teams that can go into that refugee camp and minister to those 150,000 ladies. That happened last year, guys. Happened last year. So uh, it's, it's interesting. In my office last year were pastors from the Congo, multiple pastors from the Congo, begging us to be a part of what they're doing. In my office last year was the only Christian uh, representative in the Pakistani government asking me, can you please bring a team? I will make sure that you have armed guards that are around you at all times, but we need what you have to offer. You know, life isn't about a great one-year plan. It's about the totality of the plan that God gives us. This past year, we put in a plan to carry on the church for another 55 years, and we promoted Pastor Caleb as our senior associate pastor. How many of you would say that was a good move, amen? You've got to see all of the neat work that he is doing. We are working hard to make sure our youth and our children and our nursery programs are strong, and they have been strong last year. And one of the things that I want you to understand, yes, we do this year to year, but you also have to understand this, that these programs have a life cycle to them. I can't tell you how many uh, adults have came through our children's ministry programs and now they're fantastic husbands, they're incredible wives, they're wonderful mothers, and they're great fathers. And yes, many of them are ministers of the gospel, changing thousands of lives in multiple churches in multiple, in multiple nations. And some of you aren't aware of this. Thousands of lives that are being transformed. One year at a time with long-term goals. That's what we've put into place in our children's ministry programs. We're making service time adjustments. We're trying to be uh, more uh, uh, technical in the things that we are doing, taking out fluff and putting in just powerful stuff so that what you get is the best that we have to offer for you. You have no idea what the worship team has done in 2019. All of the behind-the-scenes work, all of the behind-the-scenes meetings, all of the things that they've done to keep the worship at the highest degree that it can be, but it did not happen by osmosis. It happened because a group of people have worked diligently to do everything they do on Sunday mornings. And I'm telling you, it shows because they are excellent and we are thankful for that because we are gearing towards a decade of amazing worship that is ahead of us. So, you know, vision is interesting. And today, vision is like this. You need to save 20 bucks a week to take care of all your needs, that if something arises in your household that you can have money to, to pay what needs to be done. But you also need to start saving 20 bucks a week that you never touch until you're 65. See, it's one thing to plan for today. 
But it's another thing to have a vision for what your future has in store for you. I know some of y'all are young and you might not be thinking towards the way that I am at 58 now, but I'm so glad at 28 that I began to plan for this day of when I was 58. That's what vision does. We as a church are excited about where we've been, but we are even more energized than ever to get us to the place to where we need to be in the future. And you're going to see some of this transpire over the coming days, and you're going to hear more about where God wants to take us. Let's take a moment to just worship the Lord, and then I'm going to close our service today with a prayer that your dreams would be re-energized, that you would find this new wine that God talks about, that you would allow God to establish in you a heart to say yes. That God, when he's spoken to you or when he speaks to you, that you will be like the Apostle Paul and you will immediately go to action for the things that he has in store for us. Would you stand this morning as we begin to just worship the Lord, to take us into those places in 2020 where he has us, and for you to purpose to make the dedication to move your life in his direction.